Welcome to the Bushnell Unscripted Podcast. I'm Jeannie Bushnell, and this is episode number two, my book review policy and reviews of Midnight Crossroad and Sea of Shadows. In this episode, I elaborate on my feelings about reviews with star ratings, and I review two of my latest reads. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again. This podcast was delayed due to my being ill. A bacterial sinus infection and bronchitis had me out of sorts and off podcast duty for nearly a month. I haven't been that ill in over seven years, and I'm hoping I'm good for at least another seven. I've bounced back with a little help from some antibiotics and lots of sleep, and I'm happy to be back in your ear again. I want to talk about my review policy and my thoughts on the five-star rating system. The entire Rado book with stars idea was new to me until I saw Amazon doing it. This isn't how we discussed books in high school or college. I have to say, I really don't embrace the idea. The personal enjoyment of a book is so subjective. It really comes straight down to either liking something or not liking it. The nuances of what does or doesn't work for one reader may be an interesting read, but does it deserve a value system built upon stars or numbers? I think five stars offers too many choices for some people. I've heard of people loving a book until they went to leave a review and then felt they'd been too generous with their feelings. Once they read a review by someone else, they felt they were being too complimentary and it forced them to rethink their entire review process. A preferable system for me would be something like hated it, meh, and loved it. Really, that's what it all boils down to, isn't it? My favorites are the people who want to break it down to decimals. Seriously? Really, what is a 3.5? Reader reviews are important, but I'd much rather see a thumbs up or down valuation with a required essay. I think this would stop some of the ridiculous behavior that surrounds reviews. There are far too many reviews online that have a one star and the reader states, didn't work for me. I didn't finish it. That is not a review. It doesn't help others and it doesn't contribute to the world at large. These people should start a reading journal and keep those thoughts private. We wouldn't have seen that years ago. But as more people are flooding onto social networks and want their every thought expressed and shared, they are no longer capable of muting statements that really shouldn't be allowed to be shared. I mean, a 15-year-old wouldn't get away with that in a high school English class. How about the following remarks someone left in his or her one-star review of Anne Frank's Diary of a Young Girl? Quote, Still, Anne's diary is so disappointingly off the mark that I want anyone even flirting with the idea of reading a 14-year-old's musings to just boycott it, end quote. I am a writer and a reader. I am not a book critic. My reviews are based upon my personal feelings and thoughts on the book, period. And newsflash, my thoughts do change over time. There are many books that I've revisited because I read them when I was younger and maybe I had been in a bad place or I simply couldn't devote myself fully to them. Along those same lines, I don't read more than one book at a time. One, I don't think it's fair to the author. And two, 
it's way too easy to get confused. I also don't read while I'm writing a book. I don't want any other voices in my head other than the characters and story that I'm pursuing. So when I'm not writing, I'm reading. And when I'm writing, I'm not reading. My taste in books runs wide and deep. I read everything. So please don't put me in a box and think that I only read or review one type of book. If you visit any of my sites or social media connections, you'll see that I don't rate things poorly. The only low ratings you will see from me are for situations that are related to health and safety. For example, we recently had the oil changed in our car. We were directly in front of the window where the service of our car occurred. We watched. The oil change was supposed to come with a check and fill of all tires. We have a tire that has a slow leak, and we anticipated it would require some air. The mechanic never checked or filled the air in our tires. When we paid for our service, we asked the mechanic if the air had been checked. He assured us that it had. We knew better. When they rolled our car around, we immediately checked the air. The tire in question was at 26 pounds. They hadn't touched the tire. I did leave a review on their Facebook page for this visit, and I gave them a grade of poor for their one-star service. This was a safety issue. People have many choices when deciding where they should have their car serviced, and if I share my experience with this shop, I may just save someone else from enduring a bad experience or even an accident. I feel the same way about medical establishments, restaurants, and all service-related industries. A horrific experience with any of these places warrants a bad review. Aside from not liking the flavor of your food or the way someone speaks to you, a valid warning about a place can save someone else the heartache and pain and suffering of the same experience. Books, movies, and music are not in the same category. You may really like a book that is violent and explores topics that I'm not comfortable reading. Sure, my one-star review of the book might keep a reader like me from spending the money on the book, but aside from that, my review won't make or break someone's experience with books or keep them out of harm's way. I know, some readers think that their reviews save other readers from the dire possibility of wasting time on a poorly written book. Well. Aside from issues with grammar, typographical errors, and a poorly constructed story, what one reader considers a waste of time is another reader's walk through a valley of roses. It is all subjective. Leaving a review based on a safety issue isn't subjective. Now let me back up a little and talk about the idea of wasting time on a book. I don't believe that exists. I've read many books that I didn't enjoy. Let me emphasize the word read. I always finish a book that I start. I know, the horror. I feel obligated to finish the books I start because I feel like I'm not giving the author a real opportunity to win me over if I don't. If I judged all books by the first 30 or 200 pages, I would have missed out on some great reads. I don't think my time has been wasted by the books that I never warmed up to because I see every experience as a chance to learn something. If I don't like a book, I enjoy discovering why I don't connect with it. It helps me as a writer and a reader. 
I have many friends who do not share this viewpoint. They continually tell me that life is too short to read crappy books. On one level, I agree with them. But on another level, I strive to find the good in all things. Some horribly written books I've read have surprised me with a few beautiful paragraphs or sentences. Life is about experiences, and I'm not a person that pitches something overboard when it gets uncomfortable or ugly. I really want to love every book I read, but that doesn't always happen. There are plenty of great authors and classic books that just don't ring my bell, but I don't feel the need to tell the world about my unhappiness with the writer or the book. Finally, as a person who is child-free, the only things I will leave on this earth are my deeds and my words. When I'm gone, I don't want future generations to remember me for the things I hated or didn't enjoy. I want to be remembered for the things that aroused my passions and compassion. I want people to feel a sense of camaraderie with me as they nod their head in agreement with the book review I've left behind. The things that really matter to me, injustice, abuse, and ignorance, can't be given a one-star review, but I can raise my voice and use whatever platform I have to speak out against them. That is the voice I want to echo when I'm gone. So, now that you know where I stand on reviews, let's get started with two of my most recent reads. First, I want to talk about Sea of Shadows by Kelly Armstrong. Ms. Armstrong is a new author to me. I received an advanced, uncorrected proof copy of the book from the publisher in March, and the book was published in April 2014. Sea of Shadows is the first book in the Age of Legends trilogy, told from the two perspectives of twin sisters Ashen and Moria. The story is a young adult, epic, high fantasy, supernatural, and paranormal read. This isn't the type of book I would normally read. I read Sea of Shadows at a time when I needed to step out of the norm, and I find I'll turn to supernatural or paranormal stories to cleanse the palate between books. Do you do that? Do you read certain genres for specific needs or use them as escape venues in between other genres? The following is the synopsis that is published on the back of the book. Quote, Twin sisters Moria and Ashen were marked at birth to become the keeper and seeker of Edgewood, beginning with their 16th birthday. Trained in fighting and in the secret rites of the spirits, they lead an annual trip into the forest of the dead. There, the veil between the living world and the beyond is the thinnest, and the girls pay respects to the spirits who have passed. But this year, their trip goes dreadfully wrong. End quote. I was immediately drawn into the writing style and storyline. What I really liked about Sea of Shadows is the detail and background dedicated to building this new world. Many young adult fantasy books on the market don't touch the history or background until book two, so I applaud Ms. Armstrong for taking us a little further into that world. The twin sister dynamic added another level of interest for me. The strong female protagonists each have their own distinct personality. Moria, the keeper, is bold and doesn't want to be told what her role in the world or village should be. She wants to take charge and be the one who decides who she becomes. As the keeper, 
She is charged with keeping the angry spirits who reside in the forest of the dead from entering the village. Ashen, the seeker, must appease the ancestral spirits in the village, conduct the seeking in the forest of the dead, and put the spirits of the criminals who have been exiled to the forest to rest. Ashen takes a more gentle and reserved approach to life. She doesn't question the duties that have been assigned to the girls. The legendary creatures that appear in this book are unique and they help to move the story along while adding to the mystery of the world in which Moria and Ashen live. Aside from the dark and scary creatures, each girl has an animal companion. Ashen has Tova. He is a hound of the immortals, and they are only given to seekers. Moria has Daigo, a wild cat. When the sisters are forced to leave their destroyed village and go in search of answers from the emperor, it does feel like they are off to see the wizard as they travel with their animals and two male counterparts, Gavril, a warrior, and Ronan, an exile who survived the forest of the dead. The story is complete with some romantic entanglements for both sisters. There are humorous and a few naughty scenes that revolve around these potential love interests, but the story does not revolve around the romance element. Ashen describes it best when she thinks, quote, Just because she was admiring the scenery did not mean she would step blindly into the quicksand, end quote. There is tragedy and high adventure in this book. As an adult reader, I enjoyed it, and I know that as a teenager, I probably would have enjoyed it to a greater degree. I'm looking forward to the second book in the series. In a post on Facebook, Ms. Armstrong revealed the title and new cover for the second book in the Age of Legends series. The second book is Empire of Night, and according to her post, Ms. Armstrong chose the title for this book, and the image on the cover comes directly from the novel. The cover features a black fiend dog with glowing golden eyes and chase across a forest backdrop. Empire of Night has an April 2015 publication date, and like Sea of Shadows, HarperCollins will publish it. You can check out a teaser for Empire of Night on Miss Armstrong's website. Next up is Midnight Crossroad by Charlene Harris. This book was published in May 2014 and is the first in a new trilogy series. Readers of Midnight Crossroad are introduced to the unique and paranormal residents of Midnight, Texas. As a native Texan, I can name a dozen cities I've lived in or near that could have substituted as the backdrop for Midnight, a fictional West Texas town. The one stoplight town is filled with interesting characters that could easily demand top billing in their own book titles. Devout Harris fans will quickly recognize psychic Manfred Bernardo from the Harper Colony Mysteries series and Bobo Winthrop from the Lily Bard Mysteries series. Manfred, Harris's first male protagonist, moves to Midnight, Texas, hoping to live a quiet life in an anonymous town of few residents. He soon finds out that this little town is filled with interesting characters who have secrets of their own. Manfred is quickly drawn into the lives of those around him when he helps them go in search of answers surrounding Bobo's missing girlfriend. The residents of Midnight may be few, but they are far from forgettable. Mr. Snuggly, a talking cat, belongs to which Fiji Cavanaugh. Bobo is the owner of the pawn shop, which is the town's oldest building and a vampire residence. Humorous and engaging, this was a hard book to put down. I've read all the books in the Sookie Stackhouse series, 
the Harper Connolly Mysteries series, and the Lily Bard series, so it is safe to say that I am a fan of Ms. Harris's writing. The Sookie Stackhouse series was my first introduction to the writings of Ms. Harris. While I may never forgive her for denying me the romantic ending that I desired for Sookie and Eric, I can look past my grief and enjoy the characters and environments that she creates. This book is different from her other series, as the paranormal and supernatural elements aren't dwelled upon. Those elements aren't the driving forces of this title. There may be a vampire in this book, but that is akin to saying there is a restaurant owner in the book. A reader shouldn't turn to this book expecting to be immersed into the world of vampires or witches. Harris's ability to create likable and interesting characters shines in this book. A little side note here. On her blog, Ms. Harris states that the Hallmark Channel, which is becoming Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, is pursuing the creation of a series of two-hour movies based on each of the books in her Aurora Tea Garden Mysteries series. That should be exciting news for Ms. Harris and her fans. That's all I've got for you this week. Have you read either of the titles I reviewed? If you have, I'd love to know what you thought of them. Send me a shout-out on Twitter or leave a comment on my blog. Don't forget about the five-star review process. Let me know what you think. Feel free to leave your comments at jmbushnell.com. I'm on Twitter and Facebook. Don't be shy. I'd love to hear from you. Show notes are available on jmbushnell.com under the podcast tab. Thank you for listening. I'm Jeannie Bushnell, and I want you to keep love and kindness on repeat.